0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Thirty Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Farouk, and I'm here with my co-host Nick Sigelski, and we're here with Vin Matano for a part two and a part three. Can you believe that it's a two-parter special, folks? Part number one is going to be focused on everything prospecting. And then part number two is going to be focused on multi-threading once you get into an account. Nick, why should people listen? Vin has a really unique approach
1: to prospecting. There's a lot of people out there beating their chest about their cold calling machines. And Vin is the first to admit, he's like, I'm really, really good at email prospecting. And so he waits his effort on his email prospecting. But Did you know that he doesn't use any sort of cadence or sequence tool at all? And so he takes a very unconventional approach to his email prospecting, and then he also uses other channels like Twitter. And so if you want to learn how to cut through some of the noise, Vin is somebody that you might want to pay attention to.
0: And in this episode, Vin references a couple of email templates that he uses, whether it's a prospecting template or a multi-threading email template. And so Vin has actually decided to be one of our hero templates where he is giving us five email templates you can use from prospecting through multi-threading through close. And you can get those in the show notes, a three, a two, a one, or rather five, four, three, two, one emails. Here's my secret to being a sales superhuman. It's auto-reminders for everything. If I expect
1: Today's deal acceleration cheat code is brought to you by Pipedrive, which is a CRM built by sellers
0: rocket reach. So if you like this, check out their toolkit on eight ways to triple your cold call connects in the show notes.
1: Today's deal acceleration tip is brought to you by demand base. If you want to save a ton of time as a salesperson and be more relevant, I recommend you prioritize your prospecting by those prospects who are showing buyer intent. It'll keep you from making a bunch of noise and reaching out to folks who aren't in market. And instead, you'll reach out to folks who are in market. Now, we built a bunch of templates to help you prioritize, accelerate, and win with Demandbase. And there is a link to those wonderful templates in today's show notes. All right, Vin, welcome back to the show. You remember, we start every single episode with your top three actionable takeaways.
2: So let's get your three. Number one, teach your prospects something new about their industry. Now, it's not necessarily meaning you have to teach them something new, but it's the mindset of doing um, as much research as humanly possible to try to come off as an industry expert. Nowadays, specifically, we're getting brought into executive calls. We're talking to CFOs. So it's important that they can trust you as a business leader. One example that I would share is diving into things like 10Ks, financial reports. If you are talking to an executive, definitely look for any podcasts or or articles that they were featured in and leverage that in your outreach. One example that I had was I was meeting with a CEO and I read through their funding announcement where they wanted to 2x revenue and bring a new product to market. And initially, that wasn't the use case. And we were able to uncover new use cases that helped us competitively to ultimately win the deal. Beautiful. What's number two? Number two, use direct mail to deepen connections. Direct mail should not be used just for top of funnel. You shouldn't rely on your SDRs sending Starbucks gift cards and trying to get meetings that way. The way I'm using direct mail is for open opportunities to strengthen the relationships and get more multi-threaded. So for example, one of the templates that I typically send to folks to become more multi-threaded before a call is given your role as VP of Marketing, I'm sure you're most interested in X. If not, let me know if there's anything specific you'd like me to add to the agenda. With that, I try to send a book. So in one example, I was speaking to a VP of business development who had just started. And I noticed he recently started the role. So I sent him the book the first 90 days to help him get onboarded. Turns out it was his favorite book and it wound up being very positive for me because I got some one-on-one time with him. So there's some examples.
1: Very nice. Round us out then. What's number three?
2: Number three is negotiate with transparency. This is the ability for you to be very upfront with your prospect, essentially showing your cards of what would be the most important thing in order for them to get the discount. And here's how the talk track would go. It would say, prospect, I'm really glad that we're talking about this together. I'm really excited about the potential partnership. Typically, there are three levers to pull that will allow us to be more flexible in the discount. The first would be the amount. And in demand-based scenario, the amount typically means advertising spend. The terms, the terms are the length of the contract, so the longer the better. And three would be the time. How quick can you guys sign? So, then- Let's go back to number one. In our last
0: episode, you discussed how you're never blasting accounts. So let's say you're prospecting into a CEO or a CMO or what have you. You have found some podcasts they're on. Maybe you found something interesting in their 10K. A lot of people would just drop that information into the first step of their sequence and then let it roll. You actually don't use any sequences, to my knowledge. So can you talk a little bit about what that actually looks like in practice?
2: It's very unconventional that's true i don't use sequences i i kind of think about like dave ramsey when he tells people to not use credit cards it's a bit extreme i simply don't use sequences for one reason the reason being is i want to make sure that my mindset is always focused on one-to-one prospecting zero templates i I send out outbound and so to answer your question armand if i was reaching out to a cfo the first thing i would look for is something about the cfo that i can use to grab their attention so that's something about the person You can look on their LinkedIn profile. You can find podcasts they're featured on. A website that I'd recommend is called Listen Notes. It has all the podcasts you can search by name or any articles the CFO is maybe featured on. The next thing I'd look for is something about the business. And so that would be things you find in the 10K, funding announcements, things you can find on their website, in the news that can tie back into why your solution would help in that situation. The third thing would be finding out something about the history of that account. Have they ever chatted with us before? Were they a former customer? Did they evaluate you guys before? And then the fourth thing would be your CTA, your call to action. Keep it interest-based, asking them, is this something that you find interesting? Is this something that you deal with on a day-to-day? Is this something you want to learn more about? That's an interest-based call to action, and they perform a lot higher than a typical like time-based call to action.
1: Vin, I'm curious because you're an AE, and so you're also responsible for closing business while also prospecting. Can you tell me about the Rhythm of your day, week, and how you're like, how you actually spend your time or operationalize some of this prospecting and account research. Cause I could imagine you could go down an 18 hour rabbit hole, like listening to every single podcast that this CEO has ever been on. And I presume that you're not going that extreme. How do you work this into your daily rhythm or weekly
2: rhythm? So time blocking is very important. I like to time block. My minimum commitment is an hour of prospecting each day. Some days it's way more than that, depending depending on the amount of meetings I have. Sometimes it's less than that, depending on the amount of meetings I have. And to your point, I'm not listening to every single podcast the CFO is featured on. What I do look for, though, is something in the title that would say that it is about something I can relate my product to and any of the recent ones, because usually the recent ones are more priority. Try to find a podcast that also includes the transcripts. That way you don't actually have to listen to the podcast. So for example, I reach out to CMOs. Those are like our ideal persona. Whenever I try to find a CMO on a podcast, I go to the transcript, I command F the words account-based marketing. That is something that Demand-Base helps with. So you would do the same with your solution. And if the prospect mentioned anything about account-based marketing, I would just take that snippet and use it within my outreach.
0: Vin, I want to actually come back to this one-to-one prospecting concept. So you send this really personalized one-to-one email up front. My guess is you're not only sending one email to your prospects. So two questions as part of this. Number one, how are you keeping track of the messaging that you've sent to these prospects already? And then number two, let's say that first email doesn't land. What do you do next?
2: So the way I'm keeping track of it is I'm working closely with my SDR, and we tier out our accounts, which we can talk a bit more about how to tier out accounts. And essentially, I'll choose anywhere from five to 10 accounts that are my core focus that week. And so I'm only focused on those five to 10 accounts, and I know that my entire week is focused on them. So if I reach out to that account once on Monday, I'm reaching out again to them on Wednesday. The accounts that I do focus on, I'll reach out to basically all the personas that I seem a good fit. Typically, I focus on like directors and above when I do my outreach and my SDR. If he is helping me on those accounts, he'll typically reach out to directors and below. And so the way that I'm continuing to reach out to these accounts is if we have any traction on them, I'll look at the outreach notifications. If they're opening the emails, if we are getting some traction, they're opening emails, engaging with our stuff, we continue them for next week. If we're getting nowhere with these accounts, maybe we'll continue with them for another week. And if it's nothing, I'll pass it to my SDR. And sometimes a new face, a new name will help get a response. And so typically we'll work on an account for anywhere from one to four weeks, depending on if there's some traction that we're picking up on. And like I said, traction to be in the form of engagement. Are they opening your emails? Are they maybe responding? Did you get someone on a cold call and they said, call me back? Are they coming to the website and engaging with some of your content?
0: So let's, let's keep drilling in here. So you're working in all of the director and above contacts. So you're working a smaller pool Of people on your key accounts and you're working no more than 5 to 10 accounts per week and what was interesting is you're saying you're putting all of your attention into those 5 to 10 accounts per week so you might email them on Monday Wednesday maybe you do something else on Friday what have you so When you're emailing them on Monday, Wednesday, et cetera, normally the way 24-day sequence would roll is you'd have your first email, you'd have your bubble-up thoughts email, and then you'd have a million other emails that would basically just spam them and then be pretty templated. For you, is every single email tailored, and are you weaving in a different piece
2: of tailoring in every single one of those personalized emails one-to-one? Me personally, every email that I send is... 100% 100% personalized. Now there will be some snippets that I reuse, which are just quick parts that are often reused. But the majority of my email is always personalized. I do not send any templates. And if I get to that point where I need to send templates, I will stop reaching out to them. Um, I talked about this on the previous time we connected. If the email is a really great email, the value prop is there, the hook is great, but they haven't opened my email yet, which I can check with an Outreach, I will resend them the same email and just change the subject line. So I'm reusing some of my content, some of my wording. I can use majority of the email across all personas at the account and just change up the first paragraph, which is about that person. So that's how I'm, I'm getting to maximize my efforts. And then if I do hit a wall where I feel like, oh, maybe I'll just put a template on them and get some touch points, that's when I stop, because then that's when I have nothing else to say. So one of the really frustrating things that I've dealt with before is when
1: I find an account or a contact that I know is such a good fit, right? I listen to the podcast or I read the transcription and they're like talking about the number one priority for us this year is account-based marketing. And you're like, oh, we can help so much. And then you send like two or three beautiful emails that you put some work into and nothing. They're not getting opened. Or maybe your domain is blacklisted, and so those emails aren't even getting delivered. What do you do at that point when you're like, I don't want to kick this one down to our SDR because I know it's such a good fit. I want to keep going after them.
2: Yeah, great question. I am an email-first salesperson, which we talked about before. I really don't cold call, which I am trying to force myself to do more of. But I do see a lot of success over email. I average a 24% reply rate, which is well above the industry standard. If I don't see any success over email, my next channels to leverage are social channels. And by social channels, yes, I do mean LinkedIn. I don't mean connecting and pitching them. I will connect with them, engage with their content, comment on their things so they see my name, I get their attention, and hopefully I just redirect their attention back to my email. That's always the goal. The other platform that I would leverage is Twitter, which we can talk more about, right? Twitter is good for two reasons. One, it allows me to grab more data that I can use in my email. And again, my email is Where everything lives, my call to action, my value prop, that's my hook. Twitter allows me to find things personal about the prospect, but not too personal like Instagram, right? Stuff they feel comfortable sharing and things professionally. Maybe they're sharing more things on Twitter than they would on LinkedIn, for example. And so I use that to gather info. And then I also use Twitter as a form of outreach. So Twitter is a really great place because there's no noise, it's a low barrier to entry. There's not a lot of salespeople engaging with prospects on Twitter. And you think about the average executive gets over 120 emails per day. Their email inbox is very crowded. Think about how many tweets they're getting per day. Probably under five, I would have to imagine, if if not. And so I'm using that to, again, get their attention back to my email. I might tweet them, not asking for a meeting, not asking for anything, but tweeting them something interesting. You mentioned XYZ about account-based marketing. I found this resource that might help you. By the way, I sent you an email with that information. That's it.
0: So you are publicly calling out the fact that you sent
2: them an email with that information as well. Totally. Yeah. If you got friends on Twitter that are going to make fun of you, feel free to block them or just ignore them. That's what I do. I will literally record a video with my face front and center, tweet it directly to them publicly. Um, I have friends that like it will text me and be like, what are you doing? I simply don't care. One of my examples that I had was, Nick, you had mentioned a really great example, right? You said really great A prospect really great account I just can't get in front of them I had the same scenario I had a CMO from one of my target accounts talking about account based marketing on a podcast and how they're trying to penetrate 200 target accounts I was like oh my god this is the best fit they don't have any competitors this is an amazing fit I was sending email after email after email and nothing I found his Twitter and on his Twitter he was doing like basketball trick shots in his driveway with his like that was his thing he would put up videos doing trick shots And so I literally recorded a video on my cell phone. You don't need any apps or anything. You don't need to pay for anything. And I was in my room and I had a paper basket. And I said, if I make this shot, we have to chat about account-based marketing. And I, I tweeted it to him. He replied back to me and said, if you make it backwards, we'll chat. So then I was literally throwing it backwards, making it into the thing. It took me like 15 tries. And I literally got a meeting with a CMO who typically at Demandbase, typically comes in at the end of our sales process to sign off. So now I have this guy on my side off the bat, and I have his blessings of, of, of him saying, yes, you can talk to X, Y, and Z person at this company.
0: Well, folks, what happens is because email is this private incognito channel, number one, there's no cost to rejecting you in private. And then number two, it's also the lowest risk chance for sellers because they're not putting any social risk at play. And so it's the most flooded channel. And so when I was uh, running the sales org at Pave, I would get blasted, and it was very clear the sequences were all timed for 8 a.m. 8 a.m. would roll, 8.01. My inbox had 20 emails in it, and I didn't even read them. I literally just manually archived every single one of them, versus I post one LinkedIn post almost every single day. And the number one comment, I always know who it is. And I have had people who were really thoughtful in prospecting literally call me out in the comments before, and then I feel sort of guilty if I don't say anything about it because they're engaging with my stuff. And so, Vin, what you're doing is you're breaking through the noise via Twitter, and I absolutely love it. I'm curious for you, you mentioned that there's a point at which if you have to start sending templates, you stop approaching them. Maybe you try the Twitter thing once or twice. That doesn't work. At what point do you say, hey... I'm going to click pause on this. And then when do you decide to re-engage with that account?
2: Like I said, if if I get to the point where I've said all I can say, sometimes that will be eight emails. Sometimes that will be 10 emails. Like if there's enough use case and, and there's enough reason for me to reach out, I will continue to reach out. That's another reason why I don't personally believe in sequences is because sometimes if you have a 12 step sequence, you're forcing reps to finish out that 12 steps. When in reality, that prospect should only get six steps because they're just not interested. They're not engaging. And so if I truly believe that there is nothing more I can provide to this prospect, I'm going to move on to somebody else because this personalized prospecting works and you can only do it so many times. So whether that takes me six attempts, whether that takes me 20 attempts, I've had a a story where I reached out to a guy 12 different times over email, cold called him about five times, tweeted him a few other times. And we finally booked a meeting because I sent him a gift that was personalized. And that's how I got the conversation rolling and we wound up closing it. So there's some scenarios where you continue based on the data you're getting back. Are they opening my emails? Are they engaging? Are they coming to the website? Are there more and more public data that would suggest that a, a solution like ours can help them? Yes, continue down that story. See if you can get some sort of intro or maybe pass it to your SDR to get a new face in there.
0: This is all in the concept of figuring out relevant triggers, relevant channels to drive to that 24% reply rate. And I love what you're doing is you're staying persistent on the channels, but you're tweaking the approach, whether it's the channel, the messaging, what have you, the trigger so that you can drive up your reply rate and give yourself more at bats without just smacking them over the head with the same thing over and over. I'm curious to what extent have you played around with time of day or even the day of the week or timing of your emails or touch points? Or do you see that as a complete waste of time?
2: Personally, I see that as a waste of time. For me if if i have the time to reach out to them i'm reaching out to them right now i don't think time really does play a part in it at the end of the day if you are sending an email someone's going to go through their email at some point in their day whether it's right now or whether it's at the end of the day and so for me if i have time to write a highly personalized email at this point in time it might be at noon it might be at five o'clock it might be at 8 a.m i'm going to do that if i'm forcing myself to write every email at 9 p.m but Someday I have a call prep and I don't have as much time and then the email is not as good. I'm all focused on the quality of my emails. And so if the timing affects that, that's not something I'm going to subscribe to.
1: One thing that I actually really admire you for is, I know you're, you're sprinkling in some cold calls here or there, but you have identified that you are in the top 1% of text-based prospecting, right? Email or LinkedIn or, or Twitter. And so you're leaning heavily into your strengths, which is the right thing to do. You're almost like doing the 80-20 rule where... You know you're so, so good there. Text-based prospecting is the way to go. I'm curious about your LinkedIn approach because I feel like I understand the email line. I feel like I understand Twitter. But LinkedIn is a little bit different in that like there's the social networking keys. What's your approach on LinkedIn?
2: My approach on LinkedIn is similar to the other channels. And so if you remember what I said earlier, email is my main hub. It's where everything, the value prop, the call to action hook is going to live. I use all the other channels as ways to get their attention back to my email and i use linkedin in the same way and so what i'm doing on linkedin is i'm connecting with my prospects i'm commenting on their posts i'm engaging with them i basically just want them to know my name and by the way i've put some time into building up my brand and my network so if they do make it to my linkedin page it's kind of like a landing page it's like a resume that they can see where maybe that does help with reply rates maybe but most cases i'm really just trying to engage with them share content with them just so they know who i am and they feel Like, there's an obligation to reply to me because we now have this relationship. Some things that I've done is uh, taking some prospects' LinkedIn posts. I had a prospect. If you guys remember that there was like a meme going on about red flags, like, oh, this is a red flag in a guy or an employer. One of my prospects made a LinkedIn post about red flags, and it was about lead flow, uh, red flags, or whatever. And I commented on it, you know, laughed, whatever. The same day, I sent her an email with red flags as the subject line. And then I said, hey, I know that's a big red flag. And then I tied it into the demand-based value prop. So it's using the LinkedIn content. And again, I'm always just going back to email. Like I rarely book meetings over these other platforms, but I do get responses on the other platforms, which is very important.
0: I'm curious, you're taking five to 10 accounts and you're splitting these up above and below the line with your SDR. At any point, are you trying to change the voice, whether that is for your accounts above the line or whether that is you sort of inserting yourself into your SDRs
2: prospecting below the line? Always trying to change the voice. Demand-based, we sell into a lot of different personas. And so persona selling is very important. One of the biggest advices I would give to someone that joins a new company is the first thing you do is understand the value prop to each persona. Because your product can change. The messaging can change. And so we are doing that. That's something that we like to practice. MySDR and I, he will intro me to some sequences that he is hitting a wall with. I will intro him uh, kind of on the back end uh, he he loves to cold call, which I share with you guys. I do not like to cold call, and so I might share him some accounts and some leads. I'm saying, hey man, like I'm just not getting good luck over email. I know it's a good fit. Like, would you mind like you know trying these guys via cold call? Because he's way better at cold calling than me, and so we kind of play to each other's strengths there.
0: Yeah, I've seen this work both ways around where. Sometimes you get AEs who are really good at the phones, but anytime they try to pick up a piece of technology, like a sales automation tool or whatever it is, they can't send an email. And so they're like, literally just assign me dial tasks and I will be your cold caller. And I'll be this more senior rep who's cold calling directly. In your case, you're doing the inverse, which you're really good at email, but you want someone to pound the phones on your behalf. Last question on this front is my guess is you're doing some degree of sharing of this snippet library or template library with your SDR because you're going super, super personalized and that takes a lot of time. But my guess is you're finding some degree of repeatable patterns that you can use in your outreach, whether it's something you found on a 10K or a podcast or what have you. So if someone in the audience today wanted to take the Vin Matano approach and build their own template or snippet library, could you give us a sense of how many templates and snippets do you have and maybe what some of the most common triggers are for what you might pop in or out into a snippet would be?
2: Yeah, great question. As you do more and more of these one-to-one emails, you're going to recognize that the personalization is usually off of a a few of the same things. It's going to vary between companies, right? At Demandbase, some of the triggers that I look for are new products that are released, uh, new rebrand on the website, maybe a very competitive industry. It's something the demand-based helps with. Those are the triggers that I like to pull for. And so I will save that value prop as a snippet and then personalize the top and bottom of those emails. And so I probably have anywhere from probably 20 or so different snippets that are based off of persona value props, event value props, I should say, like if something is announced that we can help with or a podcast or article snippet, you know, they mentioned X, Y, and Z in this article or this podcast. Those are things that I constantly go back to and it's very easy to change. And then I have some for existing deals like I shared earlier. I have a, uh, a snippet that I share to help me get more multi-threaded. It's the it's simplest messaging ever. I send it to everybody the day before a meeting and I get a lot more data. And if it works, I get someone on one time with them, which is really judges the success of a deal.
1: So Vin, we are running out of time. No, wait, we are not running out of time. We're not doing the final question. We are going to make this a two-parter because this is so much fire. Stick around. Armand's going to give us a 60-second recap of this episode, and we'll catch you all next week on
0: Part 2 with Vin Matano. And this was stolen from the Gong 30 MPC 90-minute masterclass, and you can steal it too in the show notes.
1: Otter AI's Otter Pilot for Sales gives you the freedom to sell on your discovery calls by taking notes for you. One of the best ways to deepen your discovery is to ask your prospect about the impetus behind their goals. So when a prospect tells me they want to advertise on more sales podcasts, I'll say, well, it's not every day that you wake up and decide you want to sponsor a podcast. What's causing you to even explore this in the first place? Now, we put together the ultimate discovery checklist with our friends at Otter AI, which you can get for free at the link in the show notes.
0: Your top four takeaways from this episode with Vin Matano include, number one, pick five to 10 accounts and focus all of your energy on those five to 10 accounts during a week. That might mean sending an email on Monday and Wednesday, and then maybe you go multi-channel on Friday. Number two, use email as your hub and other channels as your spokes, where the CTA on those other channels is simply to reply back to the email. Number three, the email channel is also flooded. So use those other channels like Twitter. Vin booked a meeting off of a backwards jump shot. And then lastly, number four, use email to keep threading throughout the sales cycle. One way you can do that is by direct mail, like sending someone soup because they were sick. All right, Nick, how could people help us out? So Vin was extremely generous in putting together these email templates.
1: And my recommendation and how you should use them is go steal them, go grab them, and then tweak them a little bit to make them your own. Because my guess is your voice is not the same as Vin's voice. And it's going to be weird if you start emailing and people are like, wait, you sound very, very different. So go steal that stuff, tweak it, but it should make you a far more efficient seller. And Vin was generous enough to put it together. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next week on part two with Vin McCauley.